Welcome to Hospitality Forward. With listeners in more than 90 countries, our podcast is a weekly interview series where we chat with top journalists from around the world. In each episode, our media guests share their insights and tips on how hospitality and travel professionals can be featured in their stories. My name is Hannah Lee. I am president and founder of Hannah Lee Communications, an award-winning public relations agency in New York City. We are specialized in building national and international brands for restaurants, bars, hotels, travel destinations, as well as spirits and wine brands. And I'm Michael Anstenzik, editor-in-chief of Hannah Lee Communications and a food and beverage writer and author. As a journalist myself and Hannah as a PR professional, we understand the power of media coverage and its positive impact on someone's career and business. That's why we created this podcast to give back to the community. So tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast app and listen to this thoughtful journalist who kindly share their practical advice. We're also excited that our Hospitality Forward podcast is part of the credited university curriculum of the New York Institute of Technology in both the U.S. and Canada for their business and hospitality programs. Hannah and I are also the authors and producers of our agency's first book, The Japanese Art of the Cocktail, which was recently nominated for a 2022 James Beard Media Award. The book is also an Amazon editor's pick and a Barnes & Noble Best Book of 2021. It's also available at independent bookstores nationwide. Each week, we give away a copy of The Japanese Art of the Cocktail to our listeners. For a chance to win a book, please share a tip from our episode that you found most helpful and email us at hello at hanleycommunications.com. In this episode, we're delighted to chat with Joel Stein, a freelance writer who contributes to many top outlets, including the Financial Times and Food and Wine, and has a weekly column in media. Previously, Joel penned a weekly column for Time Magazine for 20 years. He was also a columnist for Entertainment Weekly and the Los Angeles Times, and has written for the New York Times, Bloomberg, the Washington Post, the New Yorker, Vanity Fair, and more. Joel is the author of the books Man Made and In Defense of Elitism. He's also written on staff for several scripted television shows. Hi, Joel. Welcome to the show. Great to see you. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. We've known you for so many years. Yes. And as you know, we are huge fans of your writing because you make us smarter and make us laugh. And you cover every subject under the sun. But since most of our listeners are bartenders, chefs, restaurateurs, and sommeliers, uh, we're going to focus on hospitality and travel. So, Joel, tell us all about your journey to journalism and how it all began. Oh, well, it's kind of started in food. And uh, I wrote a column in high school, and then I wrote a column in college, which was sort of similar to the one I then did for various publications. Um, and I did some internships at college, like at Newsweek. And then after college, I was looking for a job and I got a job working for Martha Stewart on her TV show. I was the writer for a TV show for two months. 
And then I worked at the magazine for probably another 10 months. And then I did some fact checking around town. And I had kind of given myself two years to try and get a writing job before I went to law school. And it was my time was just about up and Time Out in New York was launched. And someone on the production side who I became friends with at Martha Stewart was one of their first hires and he got me an interview. And I got a job at Time Out in New York where I worked for two years before Time Magazine hired me. You, you were also a uh, staff writer and columnist for Time Magazine for 20 years, and you wrote 22 cover stories. Yeah. And you were also a columnist for Entertainment Weekly and the LA Times. So for our listeners' benefit, what does a columnist do versus a reporter? How do you earn the title columnist? Um, a columnist is someone who writes an opinion piece. So that's what I did in college, and I developed a very kind of obnoxious and strong first-person voice. They weren't always pegged to the news. That wasn't my favorite thing to do, but that's not part of being a columnist necessarily. It's just the the opinion-y first-person nature of it, which is weird because in real life, I have, uh, if anything, I, I tend to like play devil's advocate and, and kind of weigh many opinions. But as a column, it's fun to just take one side. From columnist to now you're a freelancer, a very versatile writer. How does being a freelance writer change your writing compared with being on staff? It's fun to write for different publications because you have different audiences. Um, I guess the pitching process is different. It's harder. It depends. I mean, it's also hard for me because the world has changed so much since I left uh, a regular gig that it's hard to know what regular gigs are like anymore. I'm never even sure from your side what's useful. Like, it seems so hard to get the word out. And, as, and I, I often think, like, does print matter for you? Or is it just that clients like to see themselves in print and paste it on their wall and put it on their website? Or are influencers highly overrated anyway? Is, is there any system? I feel like it used to be you got some placement in some magazines and TV shows and maybe NPR and you were done. Now I don't know what the goal is. I mean, I think, you know, some definitely prefer to have like a major magazine print story. But I think the power is on digital. You know, when you have an article on digital, you can share that in different channels. It has a power of resharing. I guess the differentiation for me is how much better is it to get a story in food and wine than for a, a powerful person who has a medium column to write it on media? Or, or an influencer on Instagram? I mean, that's an excellent question. I would say it all depends on the audience. You know, for example, I would say our restaurant client probably prefer food and wine because the food and wine audience are very well versatile on food and drinks and restaurant subject. Um, but if the client has a particular um, selling point or particular positioning, then medium could be a great venue because you have a very particular audience following that channel. So if it's like a Ruth Reichel substack, then that's maybe as good as a food and wine piece? Absolutely. I mean, I think, Okay. I mean, Ruth is like legend and whatever she says, you listen. It just comes down to what, what moves the needle. Yeah, it's hard to guess the way it, Although it was always hard to guess. Like I'd write something for a time. It, I, I, you know, you couldn't, you didn't have metrics the way you have now, but you could tell some things were just dead on the vine. Like they might as well not have been printed. No one, you think people leaf through a magazine, but on some level, they just don't notice things they're not interested in. And then you'd write some things and everyone would be talking about it. So, so it was a little true back then too. 
you you mentioned you you contribute to uh, you know numerous publications these days. What what are the, some of the primary ones that our our listeners should should be looking for your work? So it's since November, I've been writing a weekly column for Medium. Um, my old editor from Time became the weekend editor of the Financial Times magazine, which come out comes out on weekends. So I've written writing a second thing for him. I do. I am writing something for Food and Wine right now. I don't feel like I have a regular gig. I feel like I just sell things here and there. These publications, you know, change change editors a lot. And I've lived in LA for so long, and I do some other non media stuff. Um, I write TV stuff too, and so I feel disconnected from a lot of the current batch of editors. So um, it just depends where I know someone, really. How do you find your stories, and where do you go for inspiration? I mean, the best stories are things that people tell you that you've known for a long time that other people haven't been told yet. That's the frustrating thing of starting out as a writer. You don't have those people in your life because you're in your 20s and you're just meeting people. So yeah, that's the advantage of having a beat, which I don't really have. But I still I still know people and they still tell me things. And that that's where I get my best stuff for sure. Otherwise, you do talk to the the small group of PR people who you know and trust and comms people and they tell you stuff and you learn to trust the ones that you trust. You get ideas from reading. I mean, sometimes you're reading a piece and there's a throwaway line where you're like, why haven't we investigated that? Like that, I know your story is about something else, but where, where's this thing going? And just natural curiosity stuff. Um, I just read a piece where I was listening to Conan O'Brien interview uh, Justice Sotomayor. And as a throwaway line, she said that she makes her own lunch and brings it to work. And and I just thought, like, what powerful people? Like, can you picture the president or, like, Bob Iger? Or I, I this just seems so, does Jeff Bezos, like, cut off the crust of his peanut butter and jelly sandwich before he goes into work at Amazon? Like, this seems crazy. So I found kind of a woman who works at the Supreme Court who's a historian there, but she also wrote a book about, like, recipes of supreme court justice so i talked to her for a really long time about the cafeteria and then how many of them bring their lunch and their weird eating habits which are fascinating and of course it's like that's that's an obscure thing i heard someone say that i was like i need to know more so joel you mentioned the financial times and you had a really epic story on how miami became america's most important city so how did miami get on your your radar as an up-and-coming town, and what was it like pitching a publication based outside of the U.S.? And is the process different, or what they're looking for is different? No, I don't think the process is that different with British publications or British documentarians, or it's, it's pretty similar over there. Um, I had actually pitched that story a year earlier to the New York Times business section. The New York Times was already doing it, so they did it themselves. I just, you know, stopped thinking about it. And then I got a call from my old editor, Matt Bella from Time Magazine, who's now editing the uh, magazine over at the Financial Times. And he said, could you do a story on Miami? And I was like, what do you mean Miami? He's like, I don't know. Like, people seem to be moving to Miami. We'll run it in London during the winter. People will want to read about Miami. People are going to be cold and miserable here. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating how Miami like literally became the destinations. I mean, during the pandemic, we saw the major food group, the Cote, and many other New York City restaurant tours were expanding their services to Miami. And a lot of 
New Yorkers moved to Miami during the pandemic. They don't call it the sixth borough for nothing. Yeah. Very true. One of my other favorite uh, stories was in New York Times about the uh, square space. Oh, my God. No one saw that. When I talked about stories dying on the vine, that ran in the Sunday business section on like page three, but it wasn't on the front page of their website. And I cannot believe the difference because I've had stories that they ran as like their story of the day, whatever they call that. And those things, everyone I know saw them. This Squarespace thing might as well not have existed. You're the only one I've heard of who ever saw it. It was a great story. I saw it. Really? saw it. It was fascinating to read how the brand is leveraging the podcast platform as a part of the brand building. We're big believers in podcasts. Look at this. Like, How much information can you observe Like in half an hour chat? You get to know the guest so close. And I don't think there's any better medium that can really connect you with the, yourself with the audience. I'm starting a podcast too, just like everyone else. So are I, you really? I you are? Yeah. <laughs> well, what, what's it called? I'm doing it with Pushkin Media called story of the week basically i'm taking some unpegged narrative piece of nonfiction, so like a long story from some from the new yorker or some magazine or some journal and i'm just going to interview the writer of it so they can tell that story pretty simple straightforward idea great spotlighting the journalist i love that idea you had a crazy good story in the Times. On and your... Michael loved this story so much, so much. Because it's always been a fantasy of mine to do it. Your your lab-made food dinner party. Oh, yeah. So, I, yeah. The mycelium bacon and spirits made without grains or barrels. Yeah. It's like you, you took a glimpse into the future with, with two feet first. Well, one foot. Because what I really wanted to do is get some of the stem cell meats. And that FDA... I, they wouldn't let me get them, basically. I mean, they wouldn't let the company send them to me. So I would have had to go to like Singapore, Israel, or somewhere where you can taste those. Um, so I felt like I had one hand tied behind my back during that story. But yeah, I got to try some pretty innovative stuff. How did that story come about? What uh, what was your motivation? I just wrote something in Medium about trying to be trying to get closer to being vegan. Um, so I actually started doing purple carrot twice a week which is like, I don't like meal kits, but I just needed a way to get my family to commit to a couple nights a week of vegetarian. And it, and it wasn't really sticking when I did it. So um, so we've been trying that. Let's talk about bartending. And about a year ago, uh, you had a very, very tasty story on Food and Wine magazine where you got some bartending tips from the one and only Ivy Mix. So, since then, uh, are you making better cocktails at home? Yeah, I was not a cocktail guy. I'm I'm not a heavy drinker, but I do. We have a wine cellar, so I got really into wine, uh, and I don't really. I, I learned how to like appreciate for my first book. I learned how to appreciate scotch, and I I, I sort of like rum. I mean, I've I've learned, but I, I wasn't a real cocktail guy. And Ivy makes really helped me. I still make. She has this one drink called a Sonambulance, Sonambulist, that I make a lot for guests. That's kind of my party trick. Um, but I have her cook her recipe book, and I make other cocktails from there. And um, I wanted to see how good I got, so she taught me over Zoom. And then I brought my cocktails to Aisha Tyler, because she's really the actress, because she's really into cocktails. 
and she set me straight, but she was nice. But she's she said it looked like I had sliced my citrus like I like with my own hand, like I was some kind of crazed serial killer. So yeah, I have a lot to learn, basically. Well, Alice, you uh, started with the best Ivy mix. I did. She's so great. I'm making my own spirit now for food and wine. Like I'm going to try and make a celebrity spirit. So how's that going? I know you were on the researching phase. Yep, I ca- I called you about it. Of course, I found a guy who's going to make my spirit with me. We're going to talk, but I uh, I need to be, need to pick my spirit. I think is the first step. What's what's the choice of your spirits? Well, I don't know what he can make. I want to go about this as if I were Drake and we were like entering this process together. I guess I would just pick one of the spirits that I am more likely to drink, like rum, maybe or. Um, some kind of aquaviti thing or some kind of amaro thing, if that counts. But my, my palate's limited. Go with this guy, Steve Lutman. He's making this whiskey with this country uh, singer in Texas. He's going to run me through the process. And he was great. You, you, always, you always introduce me to the best people. I'm not kidding. Like, for real. He's one of the nicest guys in the business. Honestly, Steve is such a kind, thoughtful human being to begin with. But then he's so creative. He just, person that you want to just hang out all the time because he's just that awesome human being. So I'm so glad that you are enjoying uh, getting to know him and you are in very good hands. He's, he's the expert. I knew I was because honestly, I don't think you've ever introduced me to anyone who wasn't great. Honestly, like, I don't think that's, but that's what, okay. When you asked me before how you find stories, if you're lucky, you meet PR people who you trust and, and, and know your writing. Like you guys just named like three things I wrote of different kinds. And it's like, oh, you get what I'm up to. And that is a lot of work on your part. And when someone gets you and they pitch you stuff, it's just so different. And I know from being on the other side of this, having written books, they assign you a publicist who's great at their job, but they're handling like a bunch of different books. If they don't really get you, they don't know who to pitch to. And so I wind up having to do most of that myself because I... Because I do a, a portion of the work that you're going to do, which is, oh, these are people I have a relationship, and these are people who might do the kind of thing that I want to do, so I'll pitch them. And it's, it's just so different than just a sprinkler system where you're trying to hit everyone. Because I get so many emails a day. I just, it would never cross my mind to open most of them. It's a little bit of a waste of time. I mean, I guess it's a numbers game. Maybe that's going to work sometimes, but not very often. Yeah. And honestly, it's not about the number. It has to be the quality versus quantity. And I think if you think of think of it that way, you can't really spend time, you know, thinking volume. You have to pick and choose the people that you really want to get to know each other and really who you think might be very interested in what you do. You know, we pick and choose the journalists that we think he might be curious about this subject. Let's get to them, you know. So it requires a lot of research and, you know, thoughtful um, reading and getting to know people. So we appreciate your kind words. And really, I mean, I think there's a lot of good PR people doing the right thing, not thinking the volume. So that's the people that we love. I can think of the amount of like random emails from publicists I don't know that I've opened. And it has to be the most random thing, which is like, I was obsessed with that as a kid. And there happens to be a book coming out about it or, you know, it's just it's a couple of times a year. So, that I mean, that's that's a really good tip for our listeners to know that it has to be, you know, very specific and, uh, you know, really tailored to you. And it's a relationship. It's not just an email. It's like if 
heaven's going to send me something, I know that it's worth thinking about. And, and it's more than that. It's like, I know her, so I feel obligated. I mean, honestly, that's what a relationship is, right? So when I was pitching my book, just going from the other side of it, if I was pitching someone I knew at Morning Joe, they're going to feel obligated to respond to me. Maybe not to put me on the air, but to engage. Um, whereas if I'm emailing someone at a TV show where I have no connections, they're not going to feel obligated. It just It's a personal relationship. So what tips would you give to our listeners if they want to cultivate a relationship with you to be able to one day pitch their stories? You know, I think... You can't start from zero. You have to go out and it's a slow process. You have to go out and meet everybody, like go to events and meet people. And and when you have someone interested in your thing, like get to know them, spend a few, as much time as you can getting to know them. And then um, then the second time you pitch them is going to be so much better um, because because they're going to remember you and you'll know something about them. It's it's uh, there's no simple hack. I think it's just putting the time in. I agree. Uh, you know, you just need to spend time getting to know them in person via Zoom or just checking their social media or, you know, reading all of their articles. That's the best way to do it. Well, speaking of social media, what platforms do you find most helpful for your work? I have my favorite, but you go first. No, I don't have an answer. What's the answer? <laughs> I love LinkedIn. I look at LinkedIn is really? my favorite favorite social media channels that I get my news from uh, LinkedIn. Whoa. I share my um, you know, the news with them and I know what's going on within our community through LinkedIn. I know who's very active on LinkedIn, whether they are journalists or industry people. That's oh, good to know. I don't spend any time there. Maybe I should. So, so Joel, with travel reopening, what's your next travel destination abroad and why? You know, I don't know if this counts as abroad, but uh, every so often I take a trip, I guess we've done it twice, with my wife's parents and my mom and her husband and my son. And we rent a big house. We went to the Dordogne one year. We went to right outside of Barcelona one year. But we're just not a little COVID insecure about going overseas right now, which might might be foolish, but I don't know. So we're going to compromise, I think, and go to French Canada somewhere, maybe the Laurentian Mountains, like something Quebec City, Montreal-ish. And, uh, and I figure the food's going to be great. We heard great things about the food scene there. Montreal bagels. Gotta love them. Do you? Uh, I, I've been to St. Viator and um, maybe growing up in New Jersey and living in New York all those years, it, it didn't blow me away. However, have you been to Courage Bagel in LA, which wow. is a Montreal-style bagel? Ooh. That that's the best bagel experience I've ever had in my life, and and my Jewish family from the East Coast who d who would never want to say that, that was true said it was true. But then, what's the bit, uh, difference between New York bagel versus Montreal bagels? Oh, the Montreal bagels are like they're small and they're um, a little sweeter. They don't have they have like a harder crust. They they feel less doughy somehow, more crusty, more French bready or. Um, but Courage makes them, except they only sell them as like open face sandwiches. They won't just sell you loose bagels. They make these delicious, they have just amazing ingredients and make amazing things. All right. So in the meantime, with your lovely Cassandra, what is your favorite drinks to share with her and why? She's a drinker. She can drink. So she likes a cocktail. I'm, I'm a little less of a cocktail guy. She likes a red wine also. So it's always a little challenge to get the white wine into the the meal 
I guess I like, I, I, I like wine. I drink a lot of wine. I, so I do most of the wine shopping, but when she goes, there's always some like hipster natural nonsense that comes. In fact, Ray Isle at Food and Wine had me write a whole story about natural wine. And we had this guy, um, Lou Amador, who has this cool wine shop here in LA called Lou. He and his wife, who is um, Manolo Dargis, who reviews films for the New York Times, came over and brought us a bunch of natural wine that we tasted. So let, let's move on to another subject of ours that's a favorite, uh, books. And uh, you're the author of two of them, Man Made and In Defense of Elitism. So as, as a fellow author, what, what would you say are the greatest challenges when it comes to writing books? The challenge to writing anything to me is story. When you start magazine writing, pieces are short enough and the journalism tradition isn't about story. So you can get away with a lot. And then the longer things get, I really learned this in TV writing. I learned so much in TV and movie writing that that imported into magazine writing. Um, but the longer something is, the more structure you need. And I, I just find that part hard. Uh, as you know, we started our podcast because we really wanted to help our hospitality and travel industry during the pandemic. So in your opinion, what single individual or organization is really moving hospitality forward? I've been really impressed with Nick Kokonis at the Alinea Group. I talked to him a lot early on in the pandemic. You know, Tom Colicchio was, was uh, who I like a lot as a human being. He was out there when things looked like the Great Depression were coming, you know, asking for great relief for restaurants and restaurant workers. And Nick was taking a very different tack, which was like, we all need to pivot right now. This isn't going to be over in a couple of weeks. You all need to become takeout restaurants. And and he works with Grant Ackett's. And to walk over to Grant, who I, I've cooked in that kitchen with Grant at Alinea. And I've, I went on a trip to Spain with Grant. So I know Grant decently well. And the idea of telling Grant that we're going to do takeout food and make some pot pies. I, you know, it's like Grant just wants to paint. Like he just wants to take some tweezers and think about his childhood. He's an artist in the truest, most ethereal sense. And he got that restaurant to pivot. And then he sold talk to Squarespace, which is how I actually first got interested in Squarespace. And just the way he got so many restaurants to see this opportunity and just kept such an optimistic attitude and, you know, got people like Destroyer in LA. Those Destroyer meals that I got from takeout were so fun. It was just such an amazing way to like experience something we couldn't experience, which was a really great dining experience. I mean, he's a true visionary. Yeah, on a business level, yeah. What, what about our, our listeners when they want to pitch you stories? What's the best way for them to pitch? You know, we've been talking about the whole time. It's to know what someone does and where they do it for and to pitch them to kind of a specific take um, and kind of build the relationship slowly over time. I'm an email guy, if that was your question. I hate text. Would, would you uh, be able to share your email with our listeners? Sure. Yeah, it's the Joel Stein, T-H-E, Joel Stein at yahoo.com. Or you can just go to my website and probably it's listed there or type it in there. Well, thanks, Joel. This was great and such a pleasure to spend time with you here. So thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you guys in LA and eating some bagels with you. Yes, yeah, can't wait.
Joel always brings such witty and deeply reported perspectives to his stories. And now that you know what he's looking for, please feel free to email him and introduce yourself. And don't forget to mention our podcast in your subject line. Until then, join us as we move hospitality forward together.